thank you for listening to this podcast from Living Hope Church in Skokie, Illinois, featuring the preaching of Pastor Daniel Mann. For more information about our church, please visit us online at www.livinghopechicago.com. We trust that today's message will encourage you in your relationship with God. I love this chapter of 1 Corinthians 15. Um, this is one that you often hear uh, if you happen to if you're in church on Easter, a lot of times this is a sermon that you'll hear or a passage you'll hear spoken on. Um, it is a very uh, encouraging scripture, very encouraging passage. If you, As a Christian, if you know today you already have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you know Him as your Lord, you know this passage means so much to you uh, in your life and in your faith. And it uh, may not be one necessarily we think on all throughout the day all the time, but it is one, man, it is so encouraging to me. And I love going back to it. And I was encouraged once again studying over this. Love this passage. Here, the, the Apostle Paul wrote this as a letter to the church at Corinth. Corinth was a church in a wicked city. Uh, in Corinth, as a matter of fact, there was a term that people would often use uh, to to describe how wicked people were. They would associate Cor- Corinth with wickedness. And so about somebody that they thought was living wickedly, they would often say, that per- person has been Corinthianized. Or, or be careful, they'll Corinthianize you. It was known for that. But in that city... Paul had come through there and planted a church, and people had come to know Christ. And so now there's a group of believers in this very dark place. But what often they found was sometimes living in such a wicked place, there was often a strong temptation. Outside pressure was always, uh, uh, there was a temptation to have false teachings coming in. And a temptation for, uh, for things that weren't necessarily scriptural if they were not careful. And so Paul writes this letter. And it seems almost every chapter he deals with a different issue of something that they were facing in that church. And in this chapter, he's going to deal with the, with the issue. He talks about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, you'd think that, may, that wouldn't, shouldn't be an issue. But apparently there were some who were coming in with these false teachings and dismissing the resurrection. Well, uh, you had your... Uh, sect of Jews that were uh, the Sadducees. They didn't believe in the resurrection at all. And so you had these coming in and teaching there's no resurrection. As a matter of fact, Paul used that to his advantage. And one time he used them to cause a fight with the Pharisees when he's on trial. He just brought it up and they began to fight and he kind of got off the hook there for a moment. Um, but the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. So sometimes they had that uh, temptation to infiltrate their church. And then you had the Gentiles or the Greeks who just dismissed it altogether. You had uh, a little more of your intellectual agnostic uh, crowds uh, and your Greeks. And so you had those people that said, no way, there's no resurrection. And so Paul, knowing this, knowing the pressure that they faced outside, he addresses this issue. And it's very encouraging. We'll look what he says. 1 Corinthians 15. Let's look in verse 1. Paul says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand. He's talking to them as believers. You've been saved. You stand in the gospel I preached unto you. Verse 2. By which also you are saved. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which also I received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. And that according to the Scriptures, Paul is saying, hey, Christ died just as Scripture, just as the prophets, just as all these prophecies said He would. He fulfilled them, and He died. And you know that, that's what he's saying. Verse 4, and that He was buried, and that He arose again the third day, According to the scriptures, 
And he says, that was prophesied as well. Now, how amazing is it? You know, some people can try to change their death date in the sense of taking their own life. But even outside of that, if you could just say, you know what, I, I think I want to die today and not try to do anything to harm yourself. You know what? If you don't try to harm yourself, you're probably not going to die today. It's all in the hands of the Lord. And what's amazing is Scripture prophesied to the detail how Christ was going to die. And he did. Not only that, it said he's going to rise again. Guess what? He did. And Paul's talking to them and says, you know these things. Scripture has said it to be true and it happened. And then as we keep reading verse 5, he says, And he was seen of Cephas, or Peter, then of the twelve. And after that he was seen above five hundred brethren at one time, at once, of whom the greater part remained unto the present, but some are fallen asleep. You know what he said? He said, many of you know, because it wasn't too long ago. Paul, Paul was alive now, and, and he remembered that it wasn't too long ago Jesus had been walking around. Now, Paul, I don't know if you ever met him before the crucifixion, resurrection, before he ascended. I don't know if he ever met him, really. But he knew Peter, and he knew all these other apostles. And he mentions James in a moment. All these guys saw him after he resurrected. And Paul says, not just those guys, but 500 people saw him after he was resurrected, meaning that one day everyone in all of Jerusalem saw Jesus. They came out to see him die on the cross, and they could not deny that fact. He was dead. No life was in him. He had been beaten. He had been ripped open. His body, it was a very gruesome, grotesque thing to see, a horrible, horrible execution. No doubt he was dead. And then three days later, he's alive again, and he's walking around. And people could not deny that. By the way, the Pharisees did not deny that later when they were preaching, when Peter would preach about the resurrection. You know what? They didn't say, hey, that's bogus. We don't. You know why? Because they knew they couldn't argue that. They had seen him as well. So even his enemies could not argue. They had seen him. The guy had been walking around after he had resurrected. Paul says, you know this. Peter saw him. Apostles saw him. 500 plus people saw him walking around alive after he had been dead. How amazing. And so as he continues to talk to them in this passage, he says, verse 7, uh, or he mentions in verse 6 that some had fallen asleep, meaning some had passed away. Verse 7, he was seen of James, of the apostles. Last of all, he says, he was seen of me as one born of, out of due time. Jesus had ascended into heaven. The apostles had gone out preaching the gospel. Paul was first seen, his name was Saul then, but he was first encountered Stephen, one of those apostles. He was there at his execution and really kind of consenting to that. And then God got a hold of Paul's heart. Jesus Christ spoke to him. And Paul trusted in Jesus Christ as his Savior. Then the Bible talks about there was a time where in the wilderness, Paul would testify to this later, where he was trained in a sense of Jesus. And you say, well, how did that happen? Into what capacity? Listen, I don't know. I don't completely understand every detail about that or how it happened. I believe Paul's not lying. But the resurrected Lord, Jesus, appeared unto Paul. And so he says he calls himself an apostle, meaning one who has been with the resurrected Lord. That was Paul, the once and now sent from God. And so he says, listen, I, I've seen him as well. I've seen the resurrected Jesus. He's, he's not dead. He's still alive. And so he's talking about this, and he's establishing the fact. Listen, he's saying people know Jesus is alive. People have seen him. People know this to be true. Now as we keep reading, he says, 
Verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. And he's just praising God for the grace that God used him. Verse 11, therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach and so we believe. He says, so the apostles are me. We're preaching the resurrected Jesus Christ that died on the cross. We know it as a fact. Verse 12, now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? That's the doctrine, remember, that's creeping in. He says, listen, if we saw him, if I saw him, and and others saw him, and, and 500 people, now you and I understand We'll believe a story to be true if just two people say it, right? By the way, cops do as well. When they, they analyze the situation, if you've got two witnesses that agree in a, a story and it matches up, they say, okay, it's truth. Well, here's over 500 people counting the apostles that saw him resurrected. And Paul says, listen, we know it's a truth. We can't deny it. And so notice what he says. He says, how say you there is no resurrection of the dead? Verse 13. But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. Verse 14, And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching in vain, and our faith is also in vain. If Christ is not risen, our preaching is in vain, our faith is in vain. Verse 15, Yea, we are found false witnesses of God. If He's not risen, I'm lying. Because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He raised not up. If so be that the dead rise not. Verse 16, For the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised? And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain or empty, and ye are yet in your sins. And they also which are fallen asleep or, 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 or have uh, died in Christ are perished. And if this only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Verse 20, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. I want to talk to you this morning. Simply, I borrow from the phrase here in this verse, if Christ be not risen, verse 14, if Christ be not risen. Let's pray. God, I need you. I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for these people here who have come this morning. God, I know you love them. You care about them. You have a sovereign, personal plan for each and every life in here. You love and care about each and every life. Thank you for your love and your mercy for me. Lord, thank you for salvation that you freely offer, Lord, and the salvation you gave to me, though I don't deserve it. Lord, I love you, I praise you, and I pray that right now your Holy Spirit would speak. I pray if there's anyone who doesn't know you as their Savior, I pray today they would trust you before it's too late. And God, for the Christian this morning, Lord, the one who knows you, Lord, I pray that you'd encourage them by your word. Encourage us to be faithful to you and and praise you and thank you for your love for us. In your name, amen. amen. All right. If Christ be not risen. So Paul goes on to use that phrase. If Christ is not risen, and then he goes on to just say some logical points about life and about what is going on and what they're doing. And he just takes that phrase and he says, if Christ is not risen, this is empty, this is empty, this is empty, this is empty. Now notice the first thing he says. If Christ is not risen, then is our preaching in vain. (laughs) He says, if Christ never rose from the grave, there's no point in me speaking to you, Paul says. There's no point in me traveling all over Asia, Paul says, speaking to people, establishing churches, trying to seek to win people to Christ. There was no point in Paul being in a shipwreck, being beaten, beaten to death, 
There was no point in him receiving whips. There was no point in him now being a little bit older and his body weak and, 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 and being difficult to travel. And it was difficult in those days. Paul says, listen, if Christ is not risen, there is no point in me going around preaching. No point at all. I want you to think about that. Religions, religions hang in a sense on their founder. And we have the only one, and I love saying this, and I don't say it arrogantly, I say it bragging about God. We have the only one where he is alive still. How amazing is that? You know, all the great founders of these many religions across the world, you can go to their graves and find them in their grave. You'll see their bones. And Paul says, listen, we preach a victory in Christ that he can give you an eternal life, eternal life through him. He can give you new spiritual life and your soul can live forever with him. We preach that he can give you that spiritual life and that he can give you a physical life one day, your physical body one day in heaven forever. But he says, if he couldn't even give physical life to himself after he died, What makes you think he can give it to you? And that's his point. He says, we're talking about a life he can give you and a hope he can give you and a new eternity he can give you with him and his heaven with him. But if he's not alive and if he never came out of the grave, then what hope is there? How do we know he told the truth? (laughs) What verification is there? Someone says they're going to do something for you and they say, just trust me, I'm, you, know, you invest money in my company or, or in this and then they golf and they never return. How do you know they did what they said they're going to do? <laughs> right? You probably just got scammed, by the way. <laughs> Someone says that. We're here as Christ and it was prophesied that he was going to die for man's sins and it prophesied in so many details in so many ways. Even David in Psalm 22, hundreds of years before this event would happen, David prophesied in Psalm 22 that Jesus was going to die on the cross before crucifixion was ever a means of execution. How amazing is that? He describes it. And, and Paul is talking and he says about Christ who is risen. If he's not risen, preaching is vain. <laughs> Why go to church, right? Why listen to a preacher? Why preach if you're a preacher? <laughs> Brother Daniel's job, his life's in vain. It's empty if Christ is not risen. My job, traveling around, going to Brazil one day to preach Christ, if he's not risen, it's empty. It's, it's in vain, Paul says. Keep reading, he says, not just preaching, but if you're not a preacher, he still goes on to say, and your faith is also in vain. <laughs> not just the preachers, but everyone who believes in him, your own personal faith in him is pointless. It's empty. Why? Same reason. If you're trusting in him for an eternal life he can give you when you physically die, but he couldn't do it to himself when he died again. That's right. Your faith's in vain. If he's still in the grave, he hasn't gotten victory. He hasn't conquered sin. He hasn't conquered even the effects of sin and the penalty of sin. And, and he's still there. And Paul says, listen, he says, if he is still dead, it's all empty. There is no point in having a faith in him. If he's still dead, listen, we can do what we want to. There's no point, right? (laughs) No point. He says, if he's still dead, our faith's in vain. Not only that, keep reading. So if faith is worthless, 
But then he goes on to say that if he's dead, verse 15, we're found false witnesses of God. Those who are propagating the gospel of Jesus Christ and urging that Christ has changed us and made us anew and given us a joy, then all we're doing is lying. Then Brother Daniel is a liar consistently. His job is a liar for a living. Then I'm a liar for a living. Then as a Christian, many of you who in your workplace are trying to reach your your co-workers or your friends or your neighbors or your family, if Christ is not risen, you're a liar for a living. For no cause, for no purpose. If he's not risen, right? We're just a bunch of liars. For no purpose. He says, so not only that, we're false witnesses. And think about this. That means that all these Old Testament prophets are lying as well. All these great men that people lifted up and heralded. Moses is a liar. Moses prophesied about this. Enoch, early on. Now, Enoch, not far from Adam, removed from Adam. This is a guy who's just a few generations removed. And again, close to the generation of Noah. Here's Enoch, a guy, the Bible says, walked with God. And we read about him in the New Testament that he was preaching and prophesying about Jesus in his time. Well, Enoch's a liar then, if Christ has not come from the grave. Isaiah is a liar. He mentions so vividly, specifically, about Jesus being that spotless lamb to take away the sin of the world. Isaiah's lying if he didn't resurrect. And you can just take, really, the Bible and discredit it and push it to the side. By the way, atheists know that. That's why many of them are trying to seek to find a body. Guess what? I can say today they won't. (laughs) There is no body but the living body of Christ. So we're lying. If he's not risen, Christ would be lying. Now you think about this. He told his apostles, they're following him, they're trusting him, and they've seen this man, not just a man, but he's God, and they've seen him do some amazing miracles. (laughs) They've seen him calm the storm with his words, peace be still. And they say, wow. And they've seen him raise up lepers. And they've seen him raise up people who couldn't walk and heal a withered hand and And they've seen him raise up the dead. A girl, seen him raise up Lazarus, who was four days dead. No one could deny that. He's been in the grave four days. His sister said, now he stinketh. He was rotting. He'd been in the grave so long. And they'd seen him raise these people out of the grave. What power. But if he himself is not risen, even if he could do that, he was lying. He told his disciples very specifically on a few occasions, destroy this body or this temple, he said, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll build it back. He wasn't talking about the temple building there. He was talking about himself. Destroy this body three days. He's coming back. That's what he said about himself. Talking about the crucifixion and his resurrection. He said it. But if he's not alive, again, he lied. So it's all vain. Not only that, Paul goes on to say here, If he's not alive, notice this, no one rises. No one rises from the grave. If we keep reading, he says, verse 15, excuse me, we'll skip down to verse 16. For if the dead rise not, then it's not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. They also which are fallen asleep or have died in Christ, they're perished. You know what he's saying? He's saying if Christ isn't alive, then what hope do we have of life after this one? What else is there? If Christ is not alive, 
He says, we're yet in our sins. If Christ isn't alive, then sin hasn't been paid for yet. And if sin hasn't been paid for yet, and if Christ isn't alive, then He didn't meet what the Bible said He was going to do, and we're doomed. We have no hope. Then all we have is an eternity forced, eternity again, paying for our sins in an eternal place, separated from God, and hope has not been provided if Christ is not alive. If He's not alive then we have a physical death and a spiritual death to face. Physical death, body gone. Never again a great physical body. And then you got your spiritual death, eternal separation from Him if He's not alive. And Paul says, and we're yet in our sins. The guilt, can no long, or the guilt will always be there. The sorrow will always be there. Never to have any hope. Christ is not risen. Paul goes on to say, and he's just given a very sad picture, isn't he? Like, man, Paul, be encouraging, please. <laughs> he goes on to say, verse 19, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. He's saying, if there's ever a people that should be pitied in the world, it should be Christians if Christ isn't risen. <coughs> People have died for their faith consistently, went to great lengths to share their faith and been persecuted and even parts of the world still on a great scale today. People dying over and over for their faith in Jesus Christ. And he says, if they're doing that and he's not alive, man, we're most miserable, aren't we? Putting ourselves through that risk and that jeopardy and and creating an opportunity for us to be persecuted and ridiculed and mocked and laughed at and made fun of and our families despise us at times that can happen and, and, and these things. He said, listen, if we're going through all of this trouble and he's not alive, then how sorry are we? Most miserable people to be pitied, right? Yeah. But then he goes on to say, verse 20, but now is Christ risen from the dead become the first fruits of them that slept. Paul says, but here's the thing. He is risen from the dead. (laughs) I've seen him. James saw him. Peter saw him. 500 plus saw him. Apostles saw him. He's alive. They saw him. Many saw him on that mountain there. Many of that 500, many of those people were the ones that saw him say, hey, I'm coming back again. And then he ascended up into the clouds. They saw his living body leave. And he's coming back. And Paul says, listen, he is alive. We don't serve a dead God. Frederick Nietzsche, atheist, strongly influenced a lot of the thinking of Hitler. He said, God is dead. And he sought logically to try to disprove the existence of God and Christ. But you know the thing... Christ is not dead. He's risen. He's alive. And oh, what hope we have in the risen Jesus Christ. We got a living God. We got His living Word that provides hope to us. A God who still knows what's going on in our lives. Listen, if He's still dead, why pray to Him? Why talk to Him? 
But praise God, we have a way of talking to Him. We can pray. We can know Him personally and have a relationship with Him. He is the living God. Well, if before we were all men to be most pitied, what does that mean if we have faith in Him and we know He's alive? I think it means we should be of all people most joyful, right? <laughs> we got joy, we got hope knowing that our faith, and as Paul would say, our labor is not in vain. There's more to this life, right? And this life is not just the end. It gets better. We pass away here as a believer in Jesus Christ and His work on Calvary. We're just going to something better. Right? We're not of all men most miserable. I believe should be of all men most joyful. It was a lot of atheists... Uh, a lot of agnostic, a lot of those in the intellectual crowd involved in science and archaeology, and I know there's Christians in, both, in that realm as well, but many know this truth, that if we can say or we can prove Jesus isn't risen, we can crush Christianity. And there was a guy who sought to do that, Adrian Rogers, a, a preacher, Christian author, now passed away, but describes a, a man he knew that was a well-known atheist, and he was a professor and he had gained a following in America, and, 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 and many young minds and, and those in college, many sought to listen to him and his views and logic. And, and as he tried, he sought so hard to disprove Christ. But he, would, he loved to argue against Scripture, this atheist man, well-known, often wrote literature works for atheists to read, and well-versed and very intelligent guy, smart guy. And Agent Rogers had tried to talk to him over and over. And the guy had rejected him. When it came time for the guy to die... Adrian Rogers went to him once again. And there on the man's deathbed, the guy's heart was soft. And Adrian began to pray with him and talk with him. And God convicted this man once again and showed mercy on him. And this guy who had lived his life in complete rejection of Christ said he could not get past the fact that the overwhelming evidence said Jesus was alive. And this atheist man who had been such a staunch atheist his whole life said he's alive and I trust him now. And he got saved, and then he died. But he had made a request to Adrian. He said, here's what I want you to do. He said, I've said over and over that when I die, I want at my funeral just this large outcry against Christ and Christianity. But here's what I want you to do. He said, I know there's people waiting to hear what I'm going to have to say in my last words. He said, I want you to tell them at my funeral they can come. And he, they put this in the paper, and they pumped it out, and they advertised it. They can come here 10 reasons or 10 things that I've found out in my life that I want them to know. 10 things I found out as an atheist. <laughs> and so they pumped it out there. And hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people came. People who had been influenced by this atheist man and heard him teach in their schools and knew him and read his literature and intellectual minds came. And when they came, and they, they were now ready to hear what this guy had to say in his last words about Christ. And Adrian Rogers gets up there and he reads the man's words. And those ten reasons have become now ten reasons why I trust Jesus Christ, the living God. He could not get past the resurrection. He could not dismiss it. He could not deny it. And it changed his life. 
And so when they read that, many people there at that man's funeral, though he had lived a life completely against Christ in his funeral, many, many people came to know and trust Jesus Christ. By the way, they were, as we say, renewed or giving life because he is alive. He still gives life. He gives salvation. He gives hope. He is able. He is. I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. We're just going to pray, and I'm going to turn it back over to your pastor. I've met a few of you this morning, and again, I don't know everybody here. and I don't know everybody's spiritual need. I don't know where you're at this morning with the Lord, with your walk with Him. Maybe this morning you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've never placed your life completely in His hands. And this morning you, as we say, you're not, you're not saved according to Scripture. Not trusting in the risen Lord, not trusting He paid for your sin on the cross and your penalty and that He can give you life. That's not you. You're not saved this morning. Maybe that's you. I want you to think there in your seat. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or anything as God speaks. I'm just going to ask you this question rhetorically. Don't answer. Why not today trust Christ for your salvation? Why not today have hope and joy of knowing He's your Lord and hope Enjoy of knowing that after this life you have heaven with him to look forward to. Why not have such meaning and purpose and joy and comfort in your life with him helping you even now? Maybe this morning you're saved and you know this truth. I hope it was encouragement to you and a blessing and a reminder. Oh, God cares about us in this life and there's so much more in this life than so much of the external things we get caught up with. We have Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior who gave his life. And let's live this life for such a great loving God. Let's live it for him. And let's seek to lift him up. And let's seek to show people and our neighbors and our friends that he's a God who can change our life. He gave his life for us. Why not let's live ours for him? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, I need you. This church needs you. Well, we all do. Whether we fail to admit it or, or we want to admit it or not, we need you, the power, the risen Lord. And Lord, you can give power over sin. You can give power over the temptations in our life. Surely if you can conquer death, you can give power over sin. Surely if you give power over the grave and the penalty of sin, you can give us power over our own temptations and the things we struggle with. God, I pray that you would help us to place full faith completely, consistently, daily in you, the resurrected Lord. You are risen. And we lift you up and we praise you. Thank you for speaking our hearts in your name. Amen. If you committed your life to Jesus Christ today or made a spiritual decision, we'd like to know about it. Please contact us online at www.livinghopechicago.com. We hope you will join us next time for another encouraging message from God's Word.